The following message by Apostle Dr. Dana Carson is made possible by DCKM Partners, assisting people to know God, making Him known to others, and spreading the kingdom message around the world. Check out our website, drdanacarson.org, where you can hear much more from The Kingdom Voice. In this gospel of the kingdom shall be spread across the When Jesus came preaching and teaching, he did so in a highly structured environment that was hardly the design of God. God created structure in the Old Testament for his people, the children of Israel, who had become his people based upon having a covenant with him. Typically, when people think about Jews, they consider them to be an ethnic group. However, Jews were not created as an ethnic people, but a covenant people who were sworn to Torah, the law of Moses, the prophets, and God. Based upon this covenant, they became a people bonded to God in relationship. In today's message, Dr. Dana Carson, the Kingdom Voice, teaches Jesus and the Kingdom and the Church is in a mess. Coming from Matthew 4 and 17 and Mark 1, 14 through 15. Now, Jesus came preaching and teaching. He came preaching in a highly structured environment that partly was the design of God. Um, God created structure in the Older Testament for his people, the children of Israel. They became God's people on the basis of a covenant. Um, sometimes when people think about Judaism and they think about Jews, we tend to think about it in ethnic ways. However, Jews were not created as an ethnic people. They were created as a covenant people who swore, uh, who were sworn to Torah, uh, the law of Moses and the prophets and God. And based on that covenant, they became a people. They became a people who were bonded to God. Now, the children of Israel, we often say children of Israel, and I've come to find out here in the 21st century, we must take our time and teach the fundamentals of the faith because we assume that a lot of people understand a lot of things that they really don't. And then, you know, and people's pride is such that they, rem they prefer to remain ignorant than to tell somebody, to ask somebody, what does that mean? And so, everybody like, look to your neighbor, say, everybody like to fake that funk. Yeah, everybody like to act like they know it. So, now when we talk about then the children of Israel, we're talking about the 12 sons of Jacob. Now, Jacob, you have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
Now, Isaac was a son of Abraham, and Jacob was a son of Isaac. Now, God cut a covenant with Jacob. He got the greater blessing. Brother. He got the greater blessing. Uh, his brother Esau in him, according to Jewish culture and law, the oldest should get the greater blessing. But Esau and Jacob cut a deal, and Jacob negotiated with Esau for the greater blessing. And so Jacob got the greater blessing. The name Jacob means trickster, supplanter. Now, Jacob has an encounter with God where he wrestles with God and God changes his name to Israel. Now, Jacob has 12 sons. Now, the 12 sons become the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, when we look at the tribes, though, you'll find out that um, Ephraim and Manasseh, they are considered tribes, but they're not direct sons. They're grandsons. Uh, and they're there because of their father, Joseph. Uh, so they get a double blessing. Joseph gets a double blessing. So his sons are considered. So you have, you, you have uh, Ephraim and Manasseh who are part of the 12 uh, tribes, but they're not sons. Are you with me? Now, Joseph is not considered a tribe. Neither is Levi. So the Levites were not considered a tribe. The word Levi means attached. So they were attached to God. They were not a tribe. And Joseph was not, attacked, was not a tribe. So that means 10 sons were tribes, but then there are 12 tribes. But remember, Ephraim and Manasseh, the, the, the grandsons of Jacob or the sons of Joseph, they make up the 12 tribes. Now, they then <clears throat> are the 12 sons of Jacob. Now, they're called the tribe, the 12 tribes of Israel, and then these are the people that God works with through the lineage of Abraham. And then he cuts, he cuts covenant at Sinai with Moses. And all of the <clears throat> Israelites that you see in Egypt are populated from the 12 tribes of Israel. And so God cuts a covenant with them. And when he cuts a covenant with them, they now become God's covenant community. Now, they're not an ethnic group. They're sworn to keep the law. They're, they're sworn allegiance to God. Now, when Jesus comes in preaching the kingdom, he's not just preaching to people that have no earthly idea of what he's talking about. He comes preaching to a people who understands the concept of kingdom. 
Now, this is why the church is a mess, because the church doesn't understand the concept of kingdom. The church understands the, socio, the sociological phenomenon of, of, of a gathering of people that's based upon democratic vote, popular vote, <clears throat> rather than the rule and the reign of God. Stick with me now. So, now... In the Old Testament, and you have to understand, when Jesus came, Jesus lived in the era of the Older Testament. He, Jesus was not a New Testament personality. The New Testament did not, the New Covenant did not exist until his death. So when Jesus came, he subscribed to the Older Testament. Now, <clears throat> you have to understand, when Jesus came, he came into a kingdom culture. He came into a kingdom culture, a society that understood the world in relations to kingdoms. Now, <clears throat> so when Jesus comes and he's preaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand, this is not a foreign concept to his listeners like it is to us. Now, Israel, they understood that God was king first. For you and I, we know God as Savior first. Well, that's where the mess comes in. See, because a Savior with no structure creates an out-of-control people. Because it's a people that simply are accustomed to benefiting from God, but not submitting to God. Are you hearing me? See, so we love the cross, but we're ignorant of the crown. But when you look in the scriptures, if you would take yourself out of this westernized understanding of a Jewish culture and kingdoms, you would soon understand that you have no earthly idea of what the Bible is talking about. The only thing you can get from it are do's and don'ts. Because beneath, above that, it's out of your sphere of interpretation because of cultural ignorance. So, when you look at God, how do you see God? Now I'm asking you a question. When you think about God, how do you see God? Well, some people say, I see him as my bridge over troubled water. I see him as my doctor who ain't never lost a patient. I see him as my lawyer in the courtroom. I see him as my lover at night. Now, so you have all of these imageries and 
all of these things, but how does the Bible depict God? Thus, when you think about God, how do you see God? Because I do want you to know, if it was okay for you to just see God any way you wanted to, he wouldn't have never sent Jesus. <laughs> when he sent Jesus, that meant you got to look at God a certain way. Are you with me? Well, I believe that God is in all of our hearts. And Okay. Where you get that stuff from? Where you get it from? If your child told you you had some money on a dresser and they went in there and got it, went and bought them a video game, and you said, uh, did you take my money? They, they said, yeah. They said, why, what, why did you do it? Because I believe that any money in this house belongs to everyone in the house. And so I saw it in the house. I had a need. I went and got it. I believe in my heart. And then they say, you better believe in your heart that God raised you from the dead. <laughs> now, you know, un unfounded beliefs. So now, now, how did those in Jesus' time see God? God ain't like your Baptist church taught you. God ain't like your Methodist or non-denom, whatever church. God is not like any social picture you contrive that makes you feel good. Unfortunately, the church has become a humanistic system where people come in when they're down and out and are inoculated against their own reality by a dose of messages of nothingness that makes you feel good and feel empowered to be carnal. Okay. Now, now, I want you to understand now, and we're going to get there, but I, I just have to throw this in right now. Jesus was crucified. I just got to throw that in now because I'm saying if he was a feel good guy, why was he crucified? Uh, who, who's going to crucify a motivational speaker? I, I mean, you ought to think about that. If, 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 if Jesus was this feel good guy, why was he crucified? Now, We have to, in order to appreciate where John the baptizing one, who's a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, opens up what we call and refer to the New Testament world, but it was living still under the old covenant. He opens up and he says, repent for the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, he didn't have to give a precursor to that message 
because his listening audience knew exactly what he was talking about. But you and I, we don't. And we can't just say whatever. Because the message has a context. And if you don't understand the context, you cannot understand the content. Am I making sense? So, in Jewish thought, God was first king. Now, in, in, Matthew, excuse me, in Genesis chapter 14, you find God solidifying victory for Abram over four kings. And after he gets the victory, he has an encounter with Melchizedek. Everybody say Melchizedek. Come on, say it again, Melchizedek. Genesis 14. So I want you to remember that. Genesis 14, Melchizedek. Now everybody say it again, Melchizedek. Now Melchizedek was priest of the Most High God. Melchizedek is a priest of the Most High God. I got to bring you up to, up to par. You are never going to understand the scripture. Now, he's a priest of the Most High God. Now, a priest is, in Latin, a pontifex. He's a bridge builder. He goes on the other side for you. He's a mediator. So, now, Melchizedek then, who is the king of Salem. What verse is it, Sam? So, 18. 18. So, Genesis 14, 18. Melchizedek who is the king of Salem, he's a priest of the most high God. Now, that's a very powerful passage of scripture because it formulates for us the ideology of how the Jews saw God. Now, Melchizedek is a, is a combination of two Hebrew words. Look to your neighbor and say, you're about to learn two Hebrew, two Hebrew words. Come on, look to your neighbor and say, you know you like to know, learn one or two words in a foreign language. Yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all knew how to cuss in another language. You, you didn't know nothing else about the language, but you know how to say you something, you know. Now, so now, Melchizedek, everybody say Melach. Melach. Melech means king. Melech. That means king. Then everybody say Sadiq. That means righteousness. So Melchizedek is Melech Sadiq, which means the king of righteousness. Which means righteousness is the property of the king. I'm going to say it again. Righteousness is the property of the king. I'm going to say it again. Righteousness is the property of the king. That means then you can't be righteous unless the king gives it to you. Uh, come on, look to your neighbor and say you can't get right with God unless God give you some get right. 
of Salem, Salim. Now, which is from Shalom, which means peace. That means that you can't get right with God without the king, and you can't have peace with God without the king, without righteousness. Righteousness brings you peace with God. So now, he is the king of righteousness. Righteousness is the property of God, and he's the king of peace. So now, Abraham, or Abram, tithes to him, gives him a tithe, 10% of what he has. Now, I'm going to teach you another word. Look to your neighbor and say he's going to teach you another word. Now, this is called Christophany. Everybody say Christophany. Now, in theology, we have two terms that I think are very important for you. One is a theophany and the other one is a Christophany. Now, a theophany is a manifestation of God or deity. That means in the earth realm. Christophany means a manifestation of Christ in the earth realm. So, this is considered a pre-manifestation of Christ. Melchizedek is considered a pre-manifestation of Christ. So now, they say that Melchizedek, the text says in verse 18, that he is the king of Salem, the priest of what? The most high God. Look to your neighbor, say you're about to learn a little more Hebrew now. Now, most high God, El Elyon. Everybody say El Elyon. Now, he is the most high God. El, strong, high. El Elyon, he is the most high God, which means there is no one above him. Okay? So, Melchizedek was the priest to the most high God. Now, that's how the Jews saw God. They saw him as king. Thus, in Exodus 15 and verse 18, when God brings Israel out of Egyptian bondage, you'll see in verse 18, chapter 15, verse 18, the song says, the Lord God reigns. Now, reign is what a king does. He rules, he has authority, and he reigns. That means he utilizes that authority. So when it says our God reigns, he is saying here that God reigns over Pharaoh. Look to your neighbor and say, God reigns over Pharaoh. Now, Pharaoh is a type of Satan. So that means God reigns over the enemy. Look to your neighbor and say, your God reigns over your enemies. Now, see, we don't even know how to fight because we're in a mess. We made it all about flesh and blood, see? And, we, and so we're in a mess. We don't understand kingdom principles here. So now, the, te the scripture teaches us 
that God is king. Let everyone say he's, he's king. Not just savior. And so as king, he wants to run your life. That's a part of it. You cannot get the benefits without submitting to his lordship. See, we're too used to getting all the goods without a commitment. You don't have to put no ring on the finger to pop it. You ain't got to do nothing. We used to everything for free. And so we won't, y'all, don't be looking at me all crazy. Don't be looking all crazy. Some of y'all messed up today because they won't marry you. You messed up today because they won't marry you. You've been good to them all these years. Now somebody else that don't pay them no attention. But now they want to marry them. I told you why I purchased the car when the milk is free. Now, now, the Bible teaches us in Psalm 24 that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and cattle. It teaches us that everything belongs to God. Now, but then it goes on and it says, who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty and mighty in battle. So now, God is considered the king of glory. Now, we see in Isaiah 6, Isaiah gets a vision in Isaiah 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, sitting on a throne, reigning, ruling, because he is a king. Thus, when Jesus comes, first when John comes, he announces Jesus is coming. That's protocol. The kingdom is so much protocol. The king doesn't introduce himself. He has the protocol. And John is his protocol. And so Jesus doesn't just come up to the mic. John does his intro. He says, whose shoes I'm not even worthy to carry. And he's this and he's that and he's this and he's that and when he comes he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire in fact it says he's going to put the axe to the root which means he's about to get this house in order see If you would like to make a change in your relationship with the Lord, Apostle Carson will be on in just a moment to assist you with this change. Wow, wasn't that an exciting time in the Word? Listen, we understand that uh, learning the Scriptures and learning the Word of God can be a challenge, but the Bible says, as a newborn babe desiring the sincere milk of the Word of God that you may grow thereby. So I hope that you're growing in the Word. 
What I want to do now is I just want to lead you in the prayer of salvation. I want to lead you into a definite relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to just pray this prayer with me. And if you are sure, it never hurts. So I just want you to repeat after me. Close your eyes and, and focus out on everything and focus in on the Lord. And say these words after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you right now acknowledging that I'm a sinner in need of grace. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross, not for your sins, but for my sins. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be Lord and Savior of my life and my destiny. All that I am, all that I'm not, all that I have, I give it to you. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me. I am born again. And Father, will you baptize me in the Holy Spirit that I may be empowered for kingdom service. Thank you, Jesus. I'm saved and I can see and enter the kingdom of heaven. Amen. If you prayed this prayer with Apostle Carson, let us know now by connecting with us online at therockwoi.com. Click the Join Online tab at the top of the screen and tell us about your experience. We would love to send you more information to assist you on your new kingdom journey. The preceding message by Dr. Dana Carson is made possible by DCKM Partners, assisting people to know God, make Him known to others, and spread the kingdom message around the world. Check out his website, drdanacarson.org, where you can hear much more from the kingdom voice. Become a DCKM partner today and make a difference in the world around you at www.drdanacarson.org. Kingdom Ministry.